The Levites will have no inheritance, and Gad and Reuben and the half-tribe of Manasseh have received their inheritance beyond Jordan on the east, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave them. And the men arose and went away, and Joshua charged them that went to describe the land, saying, Go and walk through the land and describe it, and come again to me, that I may here cast lots for you before the Lord in Shiloh. And the men went and passed through the land and described it by cities, and into seven parts in a book and came to Joshua to the host at Shiloh and Joshua cast lots for them in Shiloh before the Lord and there Joshua divided the land into the children of Israel according to their divisions. I want to preach to you tonight for a little while tonight. I'm going to try to be as, as mindful of your time and, and, and hurry as I can and I, I know that some of you wouldn't care for preached all night and some of you really would. Amen. So... Uh, I'm going to do the best I can to uh, to uh, placate everybody. Uh, Winston Churchill has said uh, appeasement is like trying to feed the crocodile hoping he eats you last. So some people you're just not going to satisfy. My daddy used to say that gripe if you hung them with a new rope. So I'm going to preach. When I get through, I'll quit, I promise. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight first things first. Clap your hands unto the Lord, all ye lands. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout with a voice of triumph, for you have a promise. You have an inheritance. You have something that you have something that exclusively belongs to you. What I'm, a, what I'm uh, uh, concerned about in this hour that we live in is that there's going to be some things in the promises of God that are going to be left unclaimed because somebody else, you know, there's some things that are exclusively yours and if you don't claim them, they're going to languish on the vine. There's some fruits of the Spirit that are just going to lay there on the vine till they rot unless you claim them. There's some gifts of the Spirit that are going to lie dormant and never be used and never be revived unless you do. Uh, amen, Brother Greg. The gifts that God gave you, amen, don't belong to Devin Bryan. And Devin Bryan can't have them because they got your name on them. I want to tell some of you here tonight, there's gifts in you that have lain dormant and God is ready for you to stop uh, uh, hanging your harp on the willow and wondering when everything's got... Oh my God, I'm going to ruin a good message. When everything's going to get all right. Amen. If everything don't get all right, you need to get that harp up off the willow and sing a song of Zion. Woo! I greet you tonight in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm going to lift a quote from the venerable T.F. Tenney. Amen. I want you to smile at your neighbor since you've already sat down anyway. Amen. I want you to smile at your neighbor and say, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. I love all of you. It seems like it's been a year since I've seen some of you. Amen. Honor to, yeah. Honor to my family, to my pastor, and to my church tonight. In Matthew chapter number 6, Jesus taught a lesson. He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, uh, and everything else that you need will be added to you. That is such a cruci uh, crucial principle, most especially in the hour that we're living in, because by the very nature of what it says, if the kingdom is eternal, and the kingdom is eternal, by the way, if God is the creator of everything, and He has a paradigm of divine order, and He is the creator, and He does have a paradigm of divine order, then there can be no other way than whatever is first must be first. 
Does that make sense to you? The creator who set the divine order of everything in motion, there can only be something uh, that's supposed to be first, must be first, because whatever is fir- if whatever is first isn't, then something else is first, and that which is supposed to be first is not anymore. You can't argue with my logic. If something else that's supposed to be, not supposed to be first starts being first, then that which is supposed to be first is not first anymore. Amen? Amen. Then all, somebody say it with me, everything loses its proper place in your life and everything loses its perspective. Amen. Because we are built on certain precepts of, uh, of d- divine order and Jesus said, let uh, seek the kingdom first. And if something else becomes your first priority, then you cannot expect the hopes, you cannot expect the joy, you cannot expect the outcomes that the Scripture has promised you unless the first thing is the first thing. I'm going to attempt to expand a little bit tonight and simplify at the same time. 2020 has left us with a changed worldview. Not knowing whether to scratch our heads in perplexity or stick our heads in the, fr- in the sand like a frightened ostrich or to lose our heads in the paradigm of pandemic panic. If we have either overtly or inwardly adopted a mindset that says, well, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm just going to put everything on hold until things settle down and get back to normal. You might be... In a, you might be in a, uh, in a holding pattern for a long time. Because if, God, if things, 2020, uh, people say, well, I'm just going to wait and, well, for, the, uh, for the signs of the end time and I'm going to run get in the church. You have no idea how fast things can change. You need to look back to February of last year and see what happened to America in just a few short months. If you think it's going to take God or the Antichrist, either one, ten years to do what needs, what's going to happen in this hour, you better wake up and see the Christmas tree, baby, because it's not going to happen like that. It's going to happen so fast that there's going to be people that are going to be wondering, what in the, how in the world did it get to this place? How did it get to this situation? How did we get into this set of circumstances? It's because it's not going to take 20, uh, 20 years for it to happen. If the, if the whole of culture in the whole wide world can be turned around in 10 months, I want to tell you, in 10 more months the Antichrist could be rising to power and the church be walking on streets of gold. So if you're waiting on everything to settle down before you decide to possess, if you're waiting on everything to settle down and get back to normal before you pick up your gifts and start operating in the things of God again, you better understand something. You might be just wandering around, bumping into one another, wondering what in the world's happened when the trumpet sounds. I'm just going to put everything on hold until things settle down and get back to normal. I pray that we can see the irony in that. How can things ever be normal and settle down if we have suspended and altered our behaviors until it does? Because what you're doing is you're saying, I'm taking myself out of the equation. I'm going to let Brother Jeremy, Brother Matt, and that old guy, I'm going to let them figure out. And I'm just going to stand over here on the sidelines and I'm just going to walk. You know what you did? You removed yourself from the process 
So the normal that you want to come back is impossible to achieve then. Because you moved yourself out of the process. Well, I'm just going to wait and see. Well, uh, the only problem with that is that you do more waiting than you do seeing. And there is no way that normal can be normal if you have removed yourself from the equation and are standing somewhere dispossessed in your mind and dispossessed in your spirit. Your gifts fall dormant. Your fruits languish. Amen. I'm concerned some are waiting for normal to return. And all I can tell you is if this you are, you better get ready. What do you mean? I believe there are times, and this is one of them, I believe that there are times when God's people are called to a new understanding of normal. Well, I, uh, well, uh, I started to tell you all just a while ago uh, uh, to take your mask out and shake it at me instead of your hanky. But I figured, I figured that would be insulting and I'd get ridiculed on... Uh, are, we on are we live streaming tonight, JP? I figured I'd get ridiculed. Amen. The, the science, I, 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 I'm amazed at how that works. Oh, them silly preachers, they don't, they don't follow science. But after you take the vaccine and after you've had COVID and after you've developed the antibodies, they still demand that you wear this. So when did the paradigm of science change to what you want to happen. Yeah. The same, the same people that don't believe that there's no way that we can, that we can get past this, this, this paradigm. The same people that believe we can't get past that paradigm believes there's 25 genders. You know what's happened? You've listened to the news media instead of your pastor and your bishop. Praise God. Praise God. God's people are sometimes called to a new place, to a new land. When Joshua led Israel across Jordan, they stepped for the first time in 470 years. They stepped into a new place. The Word of God says in Joshua 3 and 4 that the ark which was representative of the Spirit and the presence of God will go before you, amen, and it will guide you. Everybody said the Holy Ghost. When you get to a new place and you don't know where to go, you don't decide to make you up some rules on the fly. You go to the man of God. You go to the house of God. You want to look for the presence of God and you say, that's going to go before me. And here's why God said you need to do that he said because sometimes you get in life you get in places where you've never been before my God it was filled with promises the land was it was filled with possibility and it was filled with prosperity but the price tag for all of that possibility and prosperity was that there will be times that you will step out of your comfort zone and you will absolutely have to traverse through things and places and thoughts and ideas and concepts that you're going to face in a land inhabited with Hittites and Jebusites and Hivites and Amorites and Amalekites and uh, Termites and 
And you, you, you're going to encounter a place that God said is yours, but the resistance that is there is something that you're going to have to overcome, he said, and you're not going to be able to formulate you a set of rules for yourself. As you go, he said, you go to the house of God, find the man of God, find the presence of God, and expect the presence of God to lead you through a place that you've never been before. Now, I'm not belittling the fact that we need to be safe. I'm just saying, amen, that safety at all costs. I'm going I'm to refer you back to the crocodile. You can feed him all you want to, and one of these days when you run out of something to feed him, he's going to eat you. Praise God. Praise God. He said it will be a place like nowhere you've ever been. And there will be things that you will be required of you that you have never done. You will be required to view the world. You will be required to reevaluate your purpose and your engagement and your involvement differently than you ever have in any other period of your life. That's what he said. The degree to which they uh, uh, did that was the key to everything in their, uh, th that transpired in their lives. If they didn't follow that rule, Brother Matt, then everything that God wanted to do was put on hold because God didn't have but one plan. And he said, That's, that my presence will lead you. God never told us that the way wouldn't be fraught with difficulties or that the path would not have obstacles. When it came time for the promised land to be a possession and not just an idea. See, there's a lot of people that say they believe it, but when it comes down to putting it in shoe leather is when it gets difficult. God orchestrated it and in such a manner as to make the children of Israel become assertive. He said, you can't, you can't get, you can't obtain, you can't possess what I have ordained for you passively you must be assertive you must be dutiful you must be responsible you must be accountable but here's something that he never that never did say say never he never left them without a plan and he never left them without a course of action nor without a man of God to lead by example to challenge them to be courageous, to preach to them that which was absolutely essential and non-negotiable. Thank God for a pastor who would rather run the risk of saying something that you might not like rather than to let you take the path that's dangerous and destructive to you. You better pray for your man of God every day. Call him and his little wife and his children by name. Call them by name. Call this staff. Call these preaching staff. Call these teachers and these elders and these ushers and these singers and musicians. Call them by name. Amen. You better thank God for a man that studies intensely, prays passionately, pursues diligently for the things of God for his congregation, who spends sleepless nights not counting sheep but trying to account for sheep. You would think that Israel would have known better than their behavior considering all that they had as experience for their lives. If I know anything from the Word of God and from 41 years of doing this, the lessons hard learned don't stay learned except they are repeated and retaught to every generation. Sister Kathy, uh, Joe, I see... A whole family. I see one, two, I see three generations of Maples right there. 
on that pew. And I know what your mama believed. And I know what your grandma believed and what your great-grandma believed, what your mother-in-law believed. I know what she believed. I know what her husband believed. I know what they stood for. But you know what? It just becomes academic until it finds a way in to be appropriated. In, and I'm just using them because I know that they're faithful people and they can take it. I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, but I know. In every generation, the lesson does not stay learned simply by the traditions of what your family's heritage is. If I know anything from 41 years, I know that they must be retaught. Joseph's brothers were supposed to have stayed five years in Egypt and wound up staying 430. Because, amen, because five turned into 430 because they found that comfort and ease and leisure was more enticing to them than being God's people in God's place for God's purpose. Moses' congregation wandered 40 more years because out of 2.5 million people, there was 10. You've got better chances of winning the lotto, folks. 2.5 million people and 10 of them went out and scorned the promised land and came back and 10 people exerted enough influence that two and a half million people's opinion was swayed. And they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. 10 people who let fear and unbelief convince them that they could delay and postpone. I would love to have got those 10 if, if, I, if I had me one of those time machines like they talk about in the comic books. I know comic, uh, for you young folks, comic books are little paperback <laughs> illustrations that tell stories where we read about uh, Flash Gordon and Spider-Man. But Spider-Man was a comic book before he was a multimillionaire. Amen. Who? Yeah, he was, pa he was on paper. Paper's this stuff here. And you write on it with pens, one of these things. And you can actually record things for posterity by doing it like that. Praise God. Just having a little fun with you. I would love to have pulled those ten aside and said, Okay, Slick, tell me something. You have inculcated and, and exerted influence on this 2.5 million people to not go. So what is our course of action? You come with a reason why we can't. Now, one of you ten brain yeah, one of you ten brainiacs step up and tell us what we are supposed to do. What I would like to say to pop culture, what I'd like to say to liberalism, what I'd like to say to to uh, 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 politicians that's had their nose in the snout so long, they've uh, their 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 nose in the trough so long that they uh, they've got ringworms on their snout. What I would like to say to you is, how long and what do you expect us to to continue on cowering under the fearfulness of your influences? And if you don't 
have an answer to that, then you need to tell us a plan that will help us or quit telling us you know better than us. I'm, I, I'm absolutely going to, I'm shooting for the possibility of being the first POML preacher to get banned from Facebook. They don't like it when you say that. Yeah. Some of y'all's already been banned, Pastor said. You got put in Facebook jail. Nah, 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 nah. At least you had the courage to say something. Amen. Other than what you ate for breakfast. Amen. I guess I'm kind of quirky in my thinking sometimes. If going forward to conquer the promised land wasn't the plan, then somebody tell me what the plan is. If coming out of Egypt and getting free of sin and bondage uh, is not the plan so that we can stay in the earth and propagate the gospel, then why, pray tell, has not God come back for us yet? Hey, P-O-M-L, I got a question for you tonight. What are we going to do in 2021 with the tatters of what 2020 has left us to have to deal with? We can run back to Egypt from whence we were freed where awaits nothing but misery and bondage. I, I guess, I hope, I hope I don't sound mean. Pastor, get, get, help me here and, 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 and just, just go like this if I ought not say it. That is so dumb to decide to backslide in an hour like this. You say, well, I don't have any control over it. Yes, you do. Sure you do. Sure you do. Man's had a choice about that ever since Eve decided to eat that fruit. Thank you. You can go back to misery and bondage in Egypt or we can circle until our lives become a pile of blanched, sun-blanched skeletons in the wilderness somewhere. And we're just a bunch of bones out in the desert somewhere. Or we can choose to say we believe God. And we can choose to say we trust God. And we can choose to say we are going to obey God and we are going to go forward into our destiny. I want to tell you something that the Lord spoke to me this week. He spoke to me some, something, uh, it's very simple, but, uh, but uh, I'm a simple man when, when, when you get past all of my smart eloquence. Amen. Land does not plow itself. Seed does not plant itself. Crops do not tend themselves, and harvest do not gather themselves. We are commanded and we are commissioned to be laborers together with God. One day we'll see why this was all worth it, but until then we're supposed to take it into our charge and unto our commission that we are called of God to keep on working till He comes. Amen. Making sure that we keep first things first. Joshua led them across 
Oh, oh now, now I'm fixing to get to my sermon. First things first, God led them across the Jordan River. And the very first thing he did was he said, I'm going to find Shiloh was not the uh, eventual uh, uh, long-lasting resting place. Jerusalem was under the control of the Jebusites. And when Joshua came and brought the tabernacle across Jordan, he went to Shiloh, which was more centrally located in the land that we call the nation of Israel today. It was more centrally located because what he was trying to exemplify to the people was everybody basically lives equal distance from this. There's no such thing as people that have advantage over somebody else. If you think somebody's got some sort of spiritual advantage over you, you're just looking at it wrong. God is not a respecter of person. He's not putting the house of God closer to Sister Mickey than he is to Garrett up here. No. He's not doing that. Shiloh, which means peace, was centrally located and the very first thing that Joshua did when he got there, Brother Devin, was he said, I'm going to, he said, the first thing, I'm going to set up the church. Before we do anything else, I'm going to find a place where everybody feels that they are equal distance from it. I'm going to find a centralized location where everybody can get to it as easily as possible. And I'm going to set the church up there. I'm going to set the tabernacle up there. The house of God, the kingdom of God, the word of God, the things of God. Somebody said it, always, 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 are always first. When they traveled in the wilderness for 40 years, the tabernacle of God was set right in the middle of the camp. Everybody on all four sides. There was three tribes on each of the four sides, north, south, east, and west, and there was three tribes on each side. And every one of them had their tent positioned so that when they got up in the morning and they threw their tent flap open, the first thing they saw was the house of God. Let me tell can I say something here and y'all think and not think I'm being smart either for me? If you go home and you watch CNN, do you drift off tonight and then in the morning before you get your first cup of coffee, you've got them, uh, them talking heads speaking into your life again? They will absolutely discourage you from believing that the house of God ought to be first. Well, if y'all want me to quit, somebody needs to stand up and say, I'll buy you a cheeseburger after church. Trevor jumped up and said, Melissa, I saw him. Just give him some money and send him. I saw him. He just want me to quit, ain't he? <laughs> Don't ask Sydney. Are you ready? He located Shiloh, set up the tabernacle. Anybody want to tell me? I read it to you. I just wonder if any of you remember what it says. And then the land was subdued before them. Do you realize that was people banging around there like, like dinglings, not, not possessing anything in a land that when the tabernacle got put in place and set up the whole land, the Bible says the whole land was subdued right then. The whole land became subdued and subjugated when the house of God was in its right place. Now the house of God being in its right perspective with, with God 
is not the same thing as a man or as a person of God being in right perspective with God. The house of God can be in the right place, and you can be in the house. There's such a thing as things precious getting lost in the house. If you don't believe that's the case, just read the parable that Jesus said about that coin that got lost in the house. It was valuable, but it got lost. and It, it didn't get lost out in the street somewhere. It didn't get lost in the barnyard. It got lost in the house. You say, well, I, well, well yeah, but it was still there. Yeah, yeah, but it was lost to having any value because... They couldn't locate it and couldn't put it to any service, any use because it was, oh yeah, it was, that, that coin was there in the house somewhere, but it, but it couldn't be used for anything because nobody could locate it. Oh my God. The land, somebody say it, the land was subdued before them. But it was after that the land was subdued that a strange phenomenon of human fickleness rose up out of the congregation. The Bible says seven tribes wanted to live in Canaan, but they were inclined to get and not to, to, uh, to not engage in the process of possession. That's what happens when you're talking to somebody and they say, "Well, I wonder what they're going to do about that." After church, they they walk down the hall and say. Well, do you see that tonight? I wonder what they are going to do about that. They need to fix that. They, they, that, they usually means me and him. Mainly him. Joke, folks. Y'all like nothing. They ain't la- they're not laughing because they know it's true. That's right. I wonder what they're going to do about that. Where are you in all this? Are you wanting to be in the land of promise with no sense of duty, no sense of destiny, no sense of engagement in making the process work? Because every place, oh my God, this ain't even in my notes, but I'm going to go ahead and help you anyway. Every place that is not conquested, conquered, is a stronghold where something that's not supposed to be there can flourish. Oh, I thought I was going to have a good, I, I thought I had a good sermon tonight. Joshua said, how long are you going to be slack about this? Now, if I was preaching general conference, I couldn't say, uh, I could call everybody slackers and the, Everybody said, who is that fellow from Podunk down there calling us names? Joshua was not calling people names. He was pointing out a deficiency of conduct. He was not engaging in name calling, and he certainly wasn't trying to anger people or intimidate them. He was righteously trying to point out to those tribes that what is your possession has already been allotted to you and not only has it been allotted to you because the house of God is in the right place, it's subdued before you. P-O-M-L, can I tell you something? God didn't put us out here on the corner of this cornfield so that we could be an also range. He established this, and when he did, the prophecy that went forth when O.C. Dias walked out on this property, he said there will be a great, a great edifice raised up to the name of Jesus at this place, and when it, is, when it goes up, it will change the opinion of Pentecost 
all across this region. First things first, you find the place, you make sure the church is where it needs to be in that place, and then you can understand that you can proceed from that point, understanding that the land is yours, it's been subdued before you, and you have an allotment. God has already spoken it, but it won't be your possession until you change your perspective and choose a course of action that will call it yours. You see, there was boundaries on that land. On the north was Joseph's descendants. Joseph's allotment was split between Ephraim and Manasseh. Manasseh took half, the half-tribe Manasseh took theirs on the east side of Jordan. I've always wondered about, uh, about, the, uh, about the safety and the security of doing that. I'll let, I'll let that be one of the mysteries that one of the elders can tell me on the other side. I've always wondered about people that could be satisfied to live on the wilderness side of Jordan. But that's neither here nor there. The other half of Joseph's descendants uh, was uh, his son Ephraim. So the descendants of Joseph of the tribe of Ephraim made the north border. Everybody uh, 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 point that way. North was Joseph's descendants. The southern border was Judah's descendants. Somebody shout at me, Judah. What's it mean? It means praise. The border this way was promise because Joseph was the man who held on to the promise all those years until it came to fruition and set his family free and saved his family. A type and shadow of Jesus, a type and shadow of the promise. The northern boundary was promise. The southern boundary was praise. The eastern boundary was the line where if you crossed it, you went back into the land where bondage was. And the western boundary was the great sea, the Mediterranean Sea, and in the scripture, seas always represent humanity, the masses of secular humanity. So here we have a people called out of the world, called out of sin and bondage. They left from the east. They, they came in from the east and they left the bondage behind them. They are not part of those out there to the west. That's the secular society. And they've got two boundaries, one to the north and one to the south. And the one to the north is promise and the one to the south is praise. The seven tribes bounced around between those boundaries. I don't know if they were just scared. I don't know if they had during all those years of wandering in the wilderness that they had decided, you know, it's pretty easy to just kind of bang around out here and, and just, you know, I'll go, uh, if, the, if the service goes good, I'll, 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 I'll just drift down there and bump into praise. Woo! If David Smith or Lloyd Talbot come, I might just kind of drift over there and bump into prophetic promise. I get cold and indifferent. I might drift over this way and somebody jerk me just before I fall into Jordan and wash up on the other side. Or I might just knock around and one day land off way over here to the west and secular society scoops me up.
See, when you don't have something that's specifically yours, those boundaries become pitfalls. Now, I believe everybody ought to, every Sunday night, ought to just, uh, just be running a marathon between promise and praise, promise and praise, promise and praise. Because if you really believe the promise, you'll want to get down here and praise him. And when you start praising, you want to go back and say, yes, I still believe it, yes. And the revelation that I bring to you tonight is it is possible to dwell in the land of promise and never have a possession there. Are you ready? Joshua observed them, and he called them all together. There's a lot that I could say here, but I'll just, I, I, I won't go into a lot of that because I can tell I'm, I've already bored some of you a lot. And I've been, oh my goodness, 41 minutes. Amen. Joshua called them all together, and he said, You seven tribes, each of you, give me three men. Seven is fulfillment and completion. And three is the perfect number. There are three that bear record in heaven. They are the Father and the Word and the Holy Ghost, and all these three are one. They are three, they are three iterations of the one monotheistic, one God. And there are three that bear record in the earth. They are the water and the blood and the Spirit, and these three agree in one. So three is connected to God's iterations of himself that he comes. It's not three persons in a Godhead, folks. It's one God who was the creator, he was the the redeemer, and he was the and, and he was he is the creator, he is the redeemer, and he is the regenerator. The reason the reason God passed out of eternity to humanity was so that He could bring His Spirit, and when He left, He could leave an earnest of that Spirit for us. That's what we have when we have the Holy Ghost. It's the earnest of our inheritance, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Well, that's a Bible lesson for you. He said. You seven tribes, find you three. And let them go out. And he said, I want you to go out and describe the land. And I'm going to give you one of pastor's uh, 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 little nuggets here. He likes to look at those words. He, he said, I want you to, to describe your possession. That word does not only mean describe, as in beige sweater, red skirt. That's not it. That's not it. It, it also means to subscribe. When you subscribe to a magazine, or your magazines are kind of like comic books. Huh? Yeah, they're made of paper. Not only does that word mean describe, which means give a description of it, it also means to subscribe, which means I'm going to take this and I'm going to consider what it says. So he said, you go and you describe this and you write it down in case you get uh, 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 going to work tomorrow and have a flat and want to cuss. He said, write this down so that you'll remember this. Describe it. He said, and when you hear somebody that says, well, you know what? I went outside this morning and I stepped out in the yard and dropped it dew fell off the roof and hit me on the head and I told God it's raining and I stayed home. That's your description of the that's your description of the value?
when I hear somebody say, There's, I'm not going up there because they got germs. Well, go to Walmart. There ain't a germ one there. There ain't no germs at Walmart. Go on down there. Or to, yeah, to the doctor's office. Go down there, and, 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 we, and when you go in, crawl in, saying, oh, man of medicine, oh, man of medicine. Remember this. No disrespect intended, but most of those professionals are practicing. They're practicing medicine. They're practicing law. Where was I? Describe him. He preached an hour this morning. I timed him. No, I'm not really showing I didn't really time him. You don't care anyway. I know you don't. You ain't giving a bit of concern about that. Listen, whatever how you describe determines what the man of God can do with it when you bring it back to the house of God. Well, I'm not going to tell you what. I was watching Mason the other night and somebody was sitting beside him and he looked at him and he went and then he reached over and put his hand over their mouth I said my God he's a man after my own heart how you describe the value of this determines what it will be for you. How you describe this. He said, you write it down, you describe it, you subscribe to it, and whatever it is that you're, that whatever opinion you formulate about this, he says, you bring it back to me at the house of God. And here's, here's what brought this whole message on. One day last week, I was praying about this, and God said, everything that you have comes through the house of God. Joshua said, you bring it back to me and I will bring it before the Lord and it will determine what your possession will be. Oh my God. It would make me want to love this place. It would make me, it would make me want to call a taxi if I couldn't drive here. And I don't even know if we got, to, do, do we, I don't even think we have taxis, do we? A few? He said, bring back, I'm going to hurry, bring back what you discover, bring it to the house of God, bring it to the man of God, and the man of God will take it to the Lord, and then it will be really, then you'll really understand. He said, because if, if, if you bring a, a, a report back to the house of God, and the man of God says, you know what? They've been faithful. They believe this is going to happen for them. They believe everything's going to be good. They believe everything's going to work out all right. And he takes that person to prayer. You know what happens in that person's life when the man of God uh, brings your report from the house of God? When he takes it to the Lord in prayer for you, you know what happens? If you gave the right report, then you become empowered to receive, empowered to believe, empowered to possess. 
You say, you really believe that? I absolutely do believe that. Only when you bring what God has promised and put it before the Lord will it become yours. 2020 has shaken a lot of things and a lot of people. Some have fled. Some have hid. Some have doubted. Some have questioned. Some have questioned everything holy and sacred that they once professed to believe. But I'm here tonight at POML on the first Sunday night of 2021 not to tell you that all your enemies are going to surrender. I'm not here to tell you that all resistance is going to disappear. And I'm certainly not here to tell you that the concerns of 2020 were unwarranted or just your imagination. It really did happen just like that. But now what we've got to decide is that are we going to let that be the description of 2021 for us? Are we going to bring, are we going to bring a rerun of 2020 to the house of God in 2021? Or are we going to say, God, we're ready for that to be behind us? Amen. I'm going to tell you what I know. Amen. I'm here tonight to sound the battle cry. Amen. And I'm here to tell you, amen, that you need to let the, let the preaching call you to courage, call you to faith, call you to renewal, call you to revival. There are some of you, oh, my God, you can stand with me. That'll make, me th that'll make you think I'm quitting. Amen. There are soul winners and Bible study teachers here that have not yet been able to give a proper description of your possession. There are gifts of the Spirit, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecies that have fallen silent in this house. It's because something has happened and you are not able to give an accurate description. There are Sunday school teachers, musicians, singers, youth workers, ushers, people to help us with janitorial and custodial things. People to help us in the yards. People to help us with your finances. Some of you are going to be richly blessed, but if you bring a description of cheechiness and, and, and tight-wadded attitudes uh, and, and, and closed-fisted attitudes, well, i got to hold on to this because I don't know what's going to happen in the future. Well, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in the future. Money's going to fail, and people are going to throw it in the streets and say it didn't do anything for me. They're going to pave the streets of heaven with what we cherish down here as the most rich and wonderful possession in the world. So if you've got some blessings and finances, you ought to be pouring them into the house of God. Not because I want more money. Amen. I got my stimulus this week. So don't nobody ask to borrow $20. Brother Matt didn't get his. He'll, he come up to me, act like he's praying for me. He'll lean over and say, hey, I'll buy $20 tomorrow. I know you got, he, I know you got your check. <laughs> what I want Congress to do is quit dogging around and go back up there instead of sending it off over there somewhere on the other side of the world where they're going to buy weapons to use against us. <laughs> Vote for $2,000 for all of us darlings over here that paid the taxes that gave them the money to give back to us. Because whatever money they've given you, they're either printing it out of thin air or they got it from your pocketbook to first place. Boy, Facebook's going to love me tonight. Be a giver. Be loyal. Be faithful. I saw, I believe it was Brother Andy uh, Wednesday night after church 
We didn't do foot washing because David, uh, Brother David Smith was going to preach. That's right, son. Just go ahead and lay it there on the altar. There you go. There you go right there. Look, tenfold blessing, God. A tenfold blessing upon him. That, that man right there found a basin of water and called his pastor over in the corner and said, let me wash your feet. You say, well, what's the point of that? He's describing something. And when pastor brings Andy to Evans to the throne of God, he says, Lord, I can't argue with that description that he's decided that he's going to embrace. Woo! Some of you tonight have gifts that haven't operated. But they ought to. Some of you have financial blessings that you can give, and you ought to. Some of you can be teachers, reachers, preachers, livers, givers, goers, doers. You're going to have to give the right description of it. And you're going to have to bring it to Shiloh, the place of peace. And you're going to have to bring it to the man of God at the house of God and say, man of God, take this to the Lord. This is my description of the value of this thing and the parameters of this thing. Am I making any sense, Brother Matt? Be blessed, Brother Danny Nam. The house of God was the first thing in Canaan. Now you need to go through the inventory of the promises. You need to describe it. You need to subscribe to it. You need to bring it to the house of God where it all starts. God is not, let me get, I'm going to close. Two more points. God is not getting ready. God is ready. God lives in eternity. There's no such thing as some future tense plan for God to get ready. Let me, let me say that again for you. There is no such thing as God who dwells outside of time being in a position where he has to get ready. He lives in perpetuity of ready. So if there is a readiness that has to take place, it can't be from eternal God. It must be in those people and what they're describing. God is ready. Okay, are you ready for this? Thank you, Brother Joe. God bless you. Now, I wasn't, I wasn't asking for this. But I wasn't asking for this. God spoke to me something this week. I told Sister Howington about it. And I said, I just want to be sure that there is nothing lacking in where me and you are in our relationship with God. And I told her a figure that God spoke to me. And she didn't flinch when I told her. And you know what? You know what this is? This is God's validation tonight that I really did hear from God about that thing this morning. Alan, God bless you, sir. Be blessed of God. If you don't have, if you don't have money, that's fine. If you don't have anything that you could bring, maybe you could find a bottle of water and give this man of God a bottle of water. Or maybe you could come say, He said, Don't tell him to do that. It's too late. I've done, done it.
God, listen to me. Hold on just one second, Sister Kristen. Play a little bit softer or, or hold it. God spoke to me in prayer this week. Do y'all still believe God speaks to me in prayer? Do you still have confidence that when I bring something to the house of God and I give you description of it, that it's really something that I saw and heard from God? God spoke to me that He was going to restore gifts that have fallen dormant. Beautiful gifts of prophet, prophecy in tongues. Tucker, be blessed, son. I pronounced that blessing on you. I didn't pronounce it on whoever gave you that money, son. That's, that's yours. All of you. I don't know which one. Brother D, you gave him that money? All right, well, you don't care if he gets the blessing. God spoke to me, and he said, I'm going to restore the gifts that are laying dormant. And I'm going to revive the fruits that have languished on the vine. And he said, there is going to be demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles so astounding, so superseding, so exceeding abundantly the signs and the wonders that when you speak, now this was just to me, not exclusively to me, but to me. He said that when you speak, you're not going to have to work yourself up to a froth. You can say, is anybody here suffering with heart condition right here tonight? All right, I just asked the question. Is anybody here with a heart condition tonight? Brother Floyd, lift your hand. Lift, lift your hand. I speak in the authority of the name of Jesus that God has a plan for your heart. I bring that description of that thing before the throne of God at the house of God. I bring it to Shiloh, to the man of God. Is there anybody here suffering from hypertension? Hypoglycemia? Hyperglycemia? Low blood sugar, high blood sugar? Lift your hands. In the authority of the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm not asking for me. I'm not asking you for self-aggrandizement. Lord, it makes no difference who speaks it or who gets the credit as long as we put the possession in the right place. We put the description in the right place. God, you are the one who heals all our diseases and forgives all of our iniquities. And I speak in the authority of the name of Jesus and the apostolic dynamic of church and the apostolic dynamic of faith. And I say, be healed in Jesus' name. Is there anybody here that's having pains in your back, in your joints, in your, in your hips, and in your ankles, in your knees, in your hands? All right, lift, oh my God, lift your hands to the Lord. Father, by the authority that is in the name of Jesus, I have obeyed the description that you... I have obeyed the description that you told me to bring to the house of the Lord. And in the name of Jesus, arthritis, joint pains, muscles, tendons, uh, sinews, uh, be healed, uh, be loosed, uh, pain be 
gone in the authority of the name of Jesus. Now, if you've got any sickness, if you've got a malady, if your mind is being tormented by the devil tonight, if fear has overcome uh, your faith uh, and tried to run you down and destroy you, amen. I ain't gonna, I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand because I don't want to, I don't want you to embarrass her and feel intimidated. But if fear has been upon you, I'm speaking to you. If you have been worried about what the future is going to bring, I'm speaking to you. And here's what I want you to do so that we don't uh, single anybody out. I want everybody in the house to lift your hands to the Lord right now. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I speak uh, and conquer fear. In the authority of the name of Jesus, I speak against uh, sickness, harm, evil, and disease of body, soul, mind, and spirit. I release angels with flaming swords of fire and shields lifted up to surround you and your house and your family, your marriage, your mind, your finances. I speak, O Lord, that walls of fire be constructed around everything that you possess and everything that you have. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sister Kimmy, lift your hands to the Lord and talk in tongues. It'll be all right. Hallelujah. Brother Joe, those things that the enemies tried to tell you have languished, they're not gone. They're still yours. Describe them to the Lord tonight. This is the place. This is Shiloh. This is the tabernacle. This is where you bring your description before the Lord.